I have takes and they are hot, all quite ting ting, it's the start of the pot. My team's good and yours is not quite down ting ting, it's the start of Hello! Coming to you in a pre-recorded fashion from the league's podcast headquarters and also kind of, again, league offices in Upper Arlington, Ohio. I am Diesel, and this is Don't Fear the Keeper. Joining me today, fresh off his infamous week-long poop and a coup to end all coups, the the pepperoni pope himself, the Commish, Chuck Kesa. How we doing, Commish? <laughs> John, it's incredible to be back from the dead, having <laughs> regained the throne. All, all is right in the world, John. That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I personally am all for any situation in which I don't have to be the commissioner, and also Alex doesn't either. So, like, I lost, but so did Alex, and you, you have the reins back. And I think all seems to be a little bit more right with the world. You said this before we started recording, but the best part is, is that. You know, Alex does what he does. Basically, as Collinwell put it, half the league just threatened to quit and be like, fuck this league. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to be in charge again. And Alex was basically like, yeah, that's fair. Like, <laughs> clearly, clearly I am not up to the task of doing this. Which, again, is simply just having to manage a fantasy football league. Uh, Charlie, it's become, since you stepped out, it's become so much more than that in that we have created some sort of very annoying and toxic, um, house of cards style drama, but you know what? We're going to get to all that in a little bit. Um, w- you know, we actually, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, cause on top of that, we also have, it's, uh, the last week of the regular season. Everyone is still alive effectively. And we have, uh, like enough analysis to, you know, outs outsize six Mount Everest, really. Uh, so let's get to that. But before we do, let's recap the past week's action. Week 12. We start our day in a battle for survival in the West as Garrison and Zach squared off in a fight for their playoff lives. And holy shit, folks. Was this one over before it started? Because as a friend of mine would say, P.U. Zach's team stinks. 9994423. I know what you're thinking, folks. And no, that isn't a phone number. That's the scores of Zach's starting lineup this week. The players don't matter because Zach squad doesn't deserve that level of recognition in a week that saw him flirt with the all-time low-scoring record for much of the week. Scary Gary, on the other hand, came out with a vengeance and did his best to drive fear into the hearts of Zach and everyone else in the league with his performance. Tw- 24 from Famous Jameis, who overcame another day of 75 interceptions and round for 313 yards and three touchdowns. 
caution 29 from Derek Henry Ford, 27 from my ball Zach Ertz, and that would be more than enough for Scarrison as, once again, Zach's team was a pile of garbage this week. Gary, 129.8. Zach, 58.6. Ahem. Alex tried to throw the game to hurt Brian's playoff chances, allowing Mike to win a game in which he scored just 79 points. But the league revolted against old Commissioner Aces, voting to remove the Zettler rule exception and forcing a win upon Alex before removing him from office in favor of the league's one true son, the Commish. The final score is kind of an afterthought in all that, but Alex 121.3, Mike 79.0. Ladies and gentlemen, I take you now to a clash at the top of the West in this season's Game of the Year as Colin and John squared off in a slugfest, the kind of which they'll tell tales of for future generations. Both teams put their dicks on the table in this one, trading blow for blow all weekend. Colin struck first, using Thursday night to grab a huge 27-point game from DeAndre Anthony Hopkins. John, sw John swung back, though, as 34 from Hindu McCaffrey and 37 from Leonard. Not four, not five, not six, that's seven, net. Firmly showed John was to be taken, was not to be taken lightly. Colin connected again as 24 from Chef Mayfield and 24 from Nick. Chaba 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 Put John on the mat. But old Jay got back up and kept fighting, hitting big with 19 from Devontae Adams' family and 17 from Julian Edelman, thanks to an opening left by Colin and Aaron Jones' four points. But in the late rounds, John ran out of gas as 11 from Charky Chark and the Funky Bunch and 10 from the Browns' defense would allow Colin to deliver a knockout blow as 25 from Curious George Kittle and 37 from Chris, all I do is win, win, win no matter what is what punched John out cold and ended his fight. Colin, 174.3. John, 161.1. Next, we take you to a true matchup of David vs. Goliath as Chuck and his ass took on Ben and his slingshot. Chuck tried to throw his weight around early with 19.2 from Theodore Kamara and 36 from Iron Man's butler Landry leading the way. But Ben showed some fight, throwing in 12 from Blue Owl Cinder Hunt, 18 from Seashawn McCaffrey, and er, Watson, Seashawn Watson, I don't know why I did that, but whatever, and 31.4 from DJ Scoresome Moore. Then Ben loaded Mark Andrews into his mighty slingshot and launched him straight through the zero points that Amari Cooper Cup scored, killing Chuck instantly. Final. Chuck, 108.5, Ben, the Giant Killer Hood, 110.3. And finally, we take you to a cross-town throwdown as Paul and Brian took it to the streets to settle old scores. Paul got started early as Eric Barry Ebron struck on Thursday night for eight. Brian got going as well as 22 from Calvin Ridley Scott and 22 from Jared Allen Cook put him in the driver's seat. Tossed in 17 more from Ezekiel Elliott Ness and 13 from Tevin Gary Coleman, and Brian looked like he cruised to an easy victory. But a clunker of four from Courtyard Marriott Sutton and negative one from the Raiders defense, and Brian left a glimmer of hope for Paul. The Salt in the Steubenville seized the opportunity. 
using 36 from Samuel Omar Jackson, 9 from Justin Tuckin cover, and 16 garbage time points from Big Play Bob Woods to silence the haters and cause Brian to once again snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Paul 104.4, Brian 103.1. And that is your action from week 12. Honestly, one of the more interesting weeks we've had in some time. It it, it really was. Um, for, I would like to say I was most proud of 9994423, not being a phone number, but being Zach's scores this week. I was very proud of that one. An all-time bad performance that is probably just going to be lost to history because this will be remembered as the week in which Alex threw a game and it cost him the commissionership. Also, it's not the worst. Like, if it had been the worst, we would have remembered it. But it's just like, it's just a bad, that just played shitty this week and people will forget about it. That's a good point. And also, yeah, it's just like, you know, he he didn't do that much worse than Mike did either. Like, everyone just sort of had a bad week. So it's not like it jumps out at you, I guess, necessarily. It just cost him a playoff spot, probably, is what happened. Uh, yeah, that's probably probably how it went down. Uh, before we get moving on, though, Jay, um, I've got yeah. a big problem. i got a huge problem on my hands. What, what would that be, Chuck? I'm uh, starting to talk myself back into Fred K being the Browns head coach. <laughs> you are like a junkie, and you can't quit. No, it's, it, I'm starting to be like, oh, hey, you know, this Fred K guy, <laughs> maybe he knows what's up. And I know that what's going to happen is it's, it's, it's a situation where it's like he probably isn't as bad as he was at the start of the year. But it's one of those where it's like, do you really want to commit to this guy being your coach for very long? And I really don't know the answer. I found it very funny. In, <clears throat> and, you, and you didn't see this. You, you guys were at the game, but Gary and I were watching it. And it was kind of funny how like even the narrative just from the announcer's perspective, like how they talk about him has shifted. And nothing direct, it was just like, um, you know, you guys went in a half with that pretty decent-sized lead, and I, they were talking about, like, you know, like, you know, do you keep your foot on the on the pedal, and you know, do you try to really pull away from this Dolphins team? And, like, I think it was the sideline reporter, whoever it was, was like, oh, yeah, you know, if I know Freddie Kitchens, he's not letting them forget anything about, you know, uh, you know, what this team's been through to get to this point. You can't take your foot off the gas, and you got to keep the momentum up. I was like, about a month ago, it just would have been like, oh, yeah, Freddie Kitchens probably going to fuck this up. He's going to drop the ball on this one. They're going to get three more players ejected. Yeah. Uh, so the, the thing I will say is, so the Browns are not a three-game winning streak. They have beaten the Bills, the Steelers, and the Dolphins. Again, not exactly the murderer's row of opponents out there. Definitively but I, not. Yeah, but, but I will say this. I said they've been... With the exception of the Bills game, the Browns had to come on a big come from behind drive there. That was more that was more of a, a solid like team win. Mm-hmm. The second two, it's been a really good play calling. They've been ready to play for every game. So you know, maybe I would say that the tune is really starting to change on Freddie Kitchen though in Cleveland. Like people are like, hey, mm-hmm. uh no longer people are like, when can we fire Freddie? But that just stopped talking. It's more or less about the playoff run now. That's which is, by the way, insane that you guys are all of a sudden talking playoffs after, you know, what, what, three weeks ago, really, before this run started, it looked like 
you guys were going to like be a top 10 pick. Yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a really great turnaround for the boys. Um, kind of glad that we're, um, I'd, I'd rather be close to the playoffs and not get it. Like be like eight and eight, nine and seven and miss the playoffs than to be six and 10 and just have like a, the, like at the ninth pick, because I'd literally just shoot myself in the face. Um, but no, but yeah, we're good. So, so I'm feeling yeah. real positive about the Browns. If you haven't been able to guess that, um, you know, Chuck, I've started to pick up on that. Um, the only, the only game I see the Browns losing from this point on, which I know that I, I know that I'm going to say this, and they're going to lose the Steelers and the Cardinals somehow. Yeah, is is this Ravens game? Like, which is the game they should lose, by the way. Which is the game they should lose. That's the thing. Is is is, is the Raiders the first one? The Ravens are, I mean, embarrassing teams. I don't think does does it justice. No, they, they made are. The, they made the Rams look like they were like like fools, like, like like fools. They, I mean, Sean McVay. People were like, "Fuck, fuck!" They like they almost ended Sean McVay yesterday. It seemed like um, they probably did end Wade Phillips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. They probably did kill Wade Phillips. But that being said, I'm like. Browns beat him on the road. Could probably can definitely beat him at home. Like that—that's the mentality. I'm starting to get back into my blind, like irrational Cleveland friendship, where I'm like, Browns got these guys' number. Like, th- I'm not even worried. Like, I'm starting to get to that point now. So, that's, um, that's our favorite t- Browns fan, Charlie. To yeah, be fair. pay attention on the stretch for me to just explode when the Browns lose a game. So just get ready for that. You are a powder keg, Chuck, and the few and the and the spark will be Baker Mayfield interceptions. Let me tell you that much. Hey, my, my boys, I turn my boy not turn the ball over anymore. So, and penalties too. Those you guys still commit. And they, they, they only they only committed like five penalties in that in that Dolphins game. That's true. That they, they had off. I think most of those were in the first half, so it looked like it was going to be bad again, but. You're right. What, they I've, cut it out. what I've learned is, which is actually, you know, this is not like I ain't like create, I ain't like invent something new here, but with both Hunt and Chubb running the ball really, really well, it's a lot harder to get holding penalties on run blocking uh, schemes than it is on pass blocking. That's true. And the Browns, it seems like the Browns ran the ball like really well in a lot the last couple games. So uh, we'll see if that continues. I'm. I'm personally excited to watch uh, your resolve crumble under the weight of these expectations. Yeah, it's going to be real tough. It's going to be a tough one. Okay, well, let's move on, Chuck, to our first segment today. And uh, this is a segment that we have installed pretty late in the game, but we're going to do it anyway. It's going to be called Coup 2, the sequel. Uh, I, have it as, I have it as Coup Part 2. I mean, I, coup, that's, that's what coup I call part it. Coup Part 2, sure. We'll call it Coup Part 2. <laughs> Uh, it's the sequel to the uh, smashing success that was my impeachment. Uh, this is now the failure of Alex. So we're going to sort of run through uh, just sort of the timeline of events that uh, led to this. Uh, you know, sort of the lasting impacts. And then also we should probably just mention like the rule changes at the end too. Just because those did happen in the middle of all of the uh, Alex getting ousted and half the league almost quitting nonsense. This so, is true. So where this all started, Chuck, uh, I think you'll agree, is uh, Alex deciding to throw a game to Mike, which was... I'd say it actually started a year and a half ago when I entered in that rule 
that That's said that in the, in the last two weeks. So I, ma- I made two modifications to the Zettler rule after its original inception. The first being that in the final two weeks of the regular season, you are allowed to not field a full lineup, if you wish, in an effort to control playoff matchups and seedings. What I thought that would mean was that people that were already in the playoffs would help control who they played in in the playoffs. Meaning, like, an example this year would be Colin is the one, Alex is the two. Between you and me, John, like, we'd rather be the the, the uh, three seed than the four seed, or vice yeah, versa. Like, or, if, yeah. or if you thought the two seed was better than the one seed, you'd rather be the four seed than the than the three seed. So right. maybe you, you want to control who you see on your path there. And then, so I added that, and I added that stipulation, which I don't think anybody has an issue with, and I think it's still kind of an effect, where if your defense and your kicker are the only ones left in your lineup heading into Sunday or Monday night, and you've secured a victory already, you are allowed to pull them to yeah. prevent a loss. And that would make sense. Complete sense. And, and yeah. people, I think that makes sense. I think people are still okay with that. Now, if, if they're... If they're not, I'm sure we're going to hear about it, you know, tomorrow Very morning. soon. Immediately we'll hear about that. So that um, was my intention with, with, with what happened. And then Alex happens. Yeah, and then and then Alex happens. Alex takes advantage of the rule and is, to my knowledge, really the first person to take advantage of that rule. Uh, usually things are close enough. We're all competitive enough. No one that I can remember has really th- truly thrown a game uh, in the way that Alex did this week. So last year was really the first year where it was a thing. And to my knowledge, it was a situation where kind of like this year where there wasn't really a situation for somebody to affect an outcome by throwing a game. Yeah. Like, I, don't think it, I, don't, I just don't think it lined up well for somebody to do that. So it just kind of flew under the radar as something you could do, but no one really had an opportunity to take advantage of. Yeah, and, and that's that's where this was, again, the, the first time that this is being used. This is sort of the first time that we're all reacting to it. And the reaction was, to put it mildly, visceral. Uh, I led the charge uh, saying that Alex was definitely corrupt and just did it to, so that Mike uh, would vote for him in the, uh, the election that was going to follow this season. Um, it turned out he wasn't corrupt. He sent some text messages to explain, you know, what him and Mike's thinking was, which it turns out it wasn't corrupt. It was just stupid. Um, yeah. And the end result was that he sort of set in motion his own demise uh, because all of a sudden people started to get really frustrated with uh, the idea that Garrison and Mike were going to just intentionally pull both lineups and go suicide pack and so, die. So that, so that is where I think – is where it spun out of control. If, if you have Alex in that isolated situation, pulling his lineup to keep Mike alive, nobody's happy about it, but nobody's up in arms. Like we, we, we had moved well past that being stupid. Like when it happened, like it was just, that's a thing. I think we had moved past that. No one was like pumped. He was doing it, but we're like, you're allowed to. Yeah. It, it's, it's not ridiculous. Enter Brian Easterling, <laughs> who, in a shocking turn of events, brings up 
both the outcome of Mike and Garrison tying what would happen and also allows them or informs them that if they could, they're able to pull their lineups and guarantee a tie, yeah, securing themselves each a spot in the playoffs. Which, like, if you, it, I would, I mean, if I was, if I was them, having never made the playoffs before, I'd much rather do that and guarantee you can't lose than worry about screwing one or the other. Like, yeah, there's really absolutely. no, there's no reason to not do that. My favorite point of this whole thing though was that Brian's like they would have got there eventually I was like maybe like <laughs> I sincerely I was, doubt it when I was going through <clears throat> the things I had not factored a tie into any of my uh like proposition I didn't even think about the possibility of a tie why I would doubt, you? it's yeah, borderline possible I doubt they would have either. And then Brian also was like, well, guess what? You can not only if you tie, but you can just go ahead and tie automatically. <laughs> so Brian's like, they would have figured it out on their own. A, they probably wouldn't have. And B, Brian led them to the river. Like yeah, That fucked him over. Yeah, like, and Brian, I mean, it was just funny. Like, like Brian led them to the river and made them drink. And it was mad they were drinking. <laughs> like, th- that's essentially what happened. Yeah. And then Brian immediately not just became mad that they were drinking. Brian led a resistance against water at that point. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. And yeah, just started to uh, spearhead the movement to get the rule removed. And then you know, none of us really liked the rule uh, once it sort of got used, and we all sort of got a sense for what it was. Like you said, there's a difference between what the rule was written for and what the rule actually gets used for in practice in this league because everyone's an asshole. And so we all got a sense for that. We all decided we didn't like it. Even I like, I don't really like changing rules in the middle of a season, but it, it seemed like it was just going to continue to be that way. So uh, we voted it out. And then Brian pushed again to have the result from last week uh, resolved as did Garrison, who was of course also substantially impacted by that Mike result. So it's yeah. He, Brian kind of, uh, just, it's, I'm saying, I mean, this is a very on me, like brand move, but it was mainly Brian's fault. Like this was all kind of Brian's fault. Uh, I think it definitely was. It was also, I mean, once again, the person who was removed from office was Alex. Uh, it was also definitely Alex's fault because I, I will say it again. We should not be changing rules in the middle of the season. It leads to nothing but problems. But in this case, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due it may have saved, like, the league. Like, there was... It got dicey there for a hot second. But the th- no one started threatening to quit the league until after those rules had already been changed and we were having the debate about it. I think if you say, like, all right, like, we just need to push this to next season and just say, like, we're not going to have our actual individual team outcomes involved here. We're going to play the rules sort of as they lie. I don't think anyone's... Uh, refusing to come back for the league. I think, you know, you're probably, people are really pissed at the commissioner, but then you have the opportunity to everyone just gets up in arms and fixes it after the season. That's true. Now, that being said, I think this has taught us yet another lesson in the notion that whenever a rule is in place, take what the, what you think the rule is going to be used for, then stretch that to which most extreme worst case scenario and then double it 
And if you don't like that result, then don't put the rule in there. That's I think don't where we're at at this point. Yeah. You and I have each found that out in turn uh, this season. You uh, to very good effects, to be completely honest with you, and me to very tragic ones. So, yeah, so, so, so that, so I mean, like this. It, obviously, I, I was, I had a very, I had a lot to gain by the rule being changed and the result from last week being overturned and all that. But from a pure like league standpoint, Brian, uh, sorry, Mike and Garrison doing what they did eliminated like 90% of the crazy playoff scenarios yeah. that that we could that we can predict here and things that could happen. Like so I was more pissed that it was gonna be like nothing matters anymore. If I be Brian, I'm in. And if I and if John and if I don't, then it's gonna come down to points four. Yeah. Which is that was that was, still a, the case. That was which is still kind of the case, but there's more of those that can play out. Like it's no longer like, like now Zach's game really matters now. Now, uh, you and Paul's game really, really matters now. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, uh, I, I think it is for the better. Definitely. I just think that, you know, the, the potential for things to get really heated and unnecessarily aggressive, when you are debating changing a rule midseason, and at that point changing wins and losses, that is just too much. I think uh, strife in the middle of all of us. That like, I think it just is automatically going to turn toxic pretty much every single time. Well, luckily, time so far, luckily we, uh, we we we've we've I think we've gotten past it. I think everybody is happy. With where we're at, the only person that has a right to be angry is Mike. He's really the only one that has a 100% legitimate reason to be angry. And even um, then, he, he put up 76 points. You deserve well, well, here's the thing. If it was like, if Mike's team was more like Brian's team, and Brian is the example because he's a very like fringe team, but he's not like, He's being competitive. He's got. He's right there in points for. Yeah, Brian is right good there. Team. Yeah, he's right there in wins. Like Brian's got really good players. Whereas Mike, Mike, Mike has stumbled into five wins, and has somehow scored like twelve points in the process. Like it's really. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's Mike, 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 it's bad. But I mean, Mike has a, has every right to be angry, um, for the sake that he went from guaranteed closing of the playoff spot to essentially getting banished to the losers bracket. I mean, I said that before, but that's basically what happened to Mike. Yeah. And I mean, it, again, we'll go through this in time, but uh, yeah, I, this really hurt Mike's playoff chances. Uh, it definitely made things better for Garrison, though. He's still effectively in the same situation where if he wins, he's, he's fine either way. But um, I, I think the the changing of the Alex Mike score uh, is sort of 50-50, but I think everyone is definitely happy about the uh, elimination of the Garrison Mike tie, I guess. Yeah, there's that and it really it's it comes down to a simple fact of who deserve I mean, maybe deserved isn't the right word, but it was it's what I got here. who deserved? to be fucked over more because if you do nothing, 
you really are fucking over kind of me, Paul, and Brian. So that's one. Yeah. If you change the rule, you're fucking over I like Mike and Garrison in a way because they no longer get a guaranteed playoff spot. Yeah. And you're sort of opening the door for me, um, Paul and Brian. But really, you're fucking over Garrison more than Mike because Mike keeps his win and now Garrison has to play Mike outright. Without and if Mike rule. beats if Mike beats him, then then Mike is in over Garrison. And then if you change the rule to what we did, you change the rule, change the score, now you're just fucking over Mike, essentially. So I I, mean, I guess the West Bend of saying it was it's kind of like the lesser of the least of three evils, maybe, is the way to say it. Like it's, it's very utilitarian of me. You either could have fucked over one person or two people or like five. So you were yeah. with the one person. Mm-hmm. Which, like well, I said, I, I, I put it on record. If <laughs> This will be a lot. All, all the problems will go away if Ben can just take up his rightful place and lose the league. Um, I that don't would really think- make... Ben is the worst team. Oh, and again, we'll get to that. But I don't think Ben's the worst team. I don't. Not right now. Yeah, but Ben's just shown the ability to, to have laughably low performances. So we will see. That's true. Um, yeah, but but I've I've said if if Mike loses, I have to be held responsible. And if Mike refuses to do the seventy five dollars, I will out of my own pocket for the sake of alleviating the problems caused by a rule that I wrote will eat that $75 and give that to the winner. Uh, I'm thinking at that point, all the tempers would have subsided and Mike would probably just be fine with coming in and doing 75 blocks. But really ideally Zach or Ben will lose the league and all the problems go away. That's true. And you know, Chuck, because you were that honorable and because you offered to do that, uh, just to complete our sort of uh, timeline of events, you you took back the commissionership. You stepped forward and said, uh, essentially, people started to say, like, we need Charlie back. And you just stepped forward and said, like, Alex is no longer commissioner. I have taken back league manager responsibilities. And no one fought you. And no, uh, I, it, it was it was more of a celebration, I would say. It was kind of like when. When, when Napoleon came back and people were like, he's the king, he's the king, he's the emperor of France again. Like, got him. Which, Chuck, to that end, so Charlie and I are drinking chales uh, during this pod just for the sake of, uh, th- you know, for the sake of celebration here. And to that end, Chuck, I toast you, the commissioner, the commish, back where you should, back where you should be, back where I think we need you at this time of uh, turmoil in the league. So, to you, Chuck. I appreciate that, John. Cheers. Um, that was Charlie Gentry to be on, on, on uh, sound. Um, sound. On tape. On sound. On tape. Thank you. Um, I guess that this kind of sort more or less proves that I am a stage. I think it's a stage three leader is what that means. Okay. Um, so I could be wrong. Something like Colin, maybe Brian would know what I'm talking about, but it's, you got four stages of leaders. Stage three leader is a person that sort of reaches the the top of their organization, and after they leave, the organization goes to goes to shit. A stage four leader is somebody who 
leaves and the organization keeps improving. Like they have put the they've put the groundwork in place to allow it to survive after their departure. Um, yeah, you definitely aren't that. <laughs> yeah, so clearly I'm stage three. Um, I, I I thought maybe I'd be able to be a stage four um, and get some more people involved, but you uh, orchestrated I guess, I guess my dem- or you helped orchestrate my demise. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> It's true. So Discord. <laughs> That's well, true. To to your point though, Chuck, um, you were uh, you were commissioner for four years before this, right? That's correct. Yeah, you, so you were four years. Uh, I made it a paltry eight weeks, but however, I look really good in comparison to Alex, who made it a whopping four before being removed from office. <laughs> so you got a little bit of a leg up on the competition there, I would say. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that bad if Alex didn't have to ask like every other day for an explanation as to what the rules meant. It was not a great look in that regard for for old A Lock and his and his leadership abilities. Yeah, and again, I think we as a group probably just need to do a little bit better job of taking a breath and uh, not losing our minds when things don't go our way because uh, it. I do think that more than the rule changes or the uh, you know the the competitive nature of the league, the like idea of people getting like really worked up and pissed and like making other people's lives more difficult over this is what's going to kill the league because it's just going to make it like not fun to be around. So I think we all need to do just a better job of yeah taking a breath at times, like you know. Like it, it doesn't need to be like, we can still argue things obviously. And we always will, but like, let's, let's all do a little bit better job of not, uh, just being insane, uh, for the sake of being insane. And because we're all bored and we feel like just sowing discord for the sake of it. I've said before, I've said before, sometimes you need to cross the line to remember where the line is at. I think the league sprinted past that line today. And it caused some problems, but I think everybody sort of came back down to earth, sort of got things put in perspective. And I think everybody is is more or less happy with where we're at right now. People seem to be in, in a lot of favor of, let's go through and look at the rules, see what we like, see what we don't like, you know, see what see what's there, see what works, and more and more or less set this league up for success. Continue success down the road, you know. So I think uh, I think we got a little we got a little worked up today, but I think the league's gonna be better as a result of that. Not just today, number one. <laughs> I, I hesitate to point out, and number two, man, if only someone had suggested we revisit the rules and look at everything after the season, that person would be a fucking genius. It really is great that you got <sighs> impeached as a joke, and it led to an actual coup. Uh, do I become a stage three leader at that point? Because I left the organization and it got even worse. <laughs> I think you're stage two. I don't think you got to the peak of your powers. Ever. Okay. That's true. I, I never had a stranglehold on power. That's true. Someone will correct us on this tomorrow. Um, okay. Chuck, do you have any like address or something that you want to give or, sh- or should we move on now? No, but just to sum up basically where we're at now. Not like an address, but basically, uh, you can't throw games anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And um, on the commission again, we will revisit all the rules at the league dinner or before the league dinner, whenever we decide. Um, and the best part about this whole thing is that Alex is still planning the dinner. So Which he was, was the he one got, thing you bitched about, by the way. The only thing kind of, about the commissioner you bitched about. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing to do. Like I said, I'm not great on the phone. Um, <laughs> and, and so and that's one of my things. That's not a good skill that I have. <laughs> um, but now Alex has, Alex has to be in charge of all that. And I think it's kind of appropriate that I was like, he's Tyrion Lannister. Like Alex was helped rebuild what yeah. he almost destroyed. Like I think that's a, that's a very perfect – it's a very perfect, uh, perfect little uh, comparison for what happened today. Yeah, and you're referring to a train wreck of a season, just like we are referring to a train wreck of a season at the commissioner's position. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, well, with that, we're going to move on to our next segment, uh, which is going to be our playoff segment, which I'm calling "Points for the Poor." And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. So we're just going to go through here. I've kind of tried to break things down. Uh, based on like where everyone's position is relative to uh, you know, like their playoff seating or their ability to make the playoffs, and we'll just sort of go through and break it down by that. Sort of consider a, a lot of different scenarios that need to happen for certain people to get in. Maybe talk about some of our favorite scenarios, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what kind of shakes out. That sound good to you, Chuck? That sounds good. All right. So first off, uh, we are going to look at the locks. So these are the teams. I've identified three of them that are they're set where they are. They're not moving. Uh, whether it's in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, doesn't matter. The first one, obviously, is Colin. Colin is in. Colin has the one seed. He's locked it up. Um, uh, he, he has not. Well, okay. Sure. If Alex scores 1,000 points, I'm sorry. Uh, Colin well, they've got the John, we just we literally just changed Alex's record. They have nine, they're both nine and three now. Yeah, I know. Well, I, okay, that's true. I guess Alex so, can take if, it. If Alex, they're they're both guaranteed in, guaranteed buys. Yeah, but if Alex if Alex, if Alex wins and Colin loses, Alex is the one. Colin is the two. But if they both win or they both lose, it's it's Colin. Almost impossible. It's almost impossible for not to be for it to not be Colin. You are right. You're right. I wrote that down before uh, before we did before before we changed everything. Uh, so yeah, okay. So Colin, regardless, in uh, Colin's biggest thing this week is that Colin can lock up the top seed then, and then Colin can also uh, knock Zach out. Colin has that control. If Colin wins, Zach is gone. And Colin has the top seed. Uh, like we said, nearly uh, like it'd be impossible for him to lose it. Yeah, I mean, really, with Alex and Colin, they're sitting in the ideal spot. I mean, secured in, secured buys. I don't think teams three through six are so distinguishable. Where, yeah, you'd be you'd be better off being one versus two, depending on who's three, who's four, etc. So yeah, really, they're just playing. Really, the only thing up for grabs here is Colin 
being able to prevent Zach from being in the playoffs. Which, yeah. That's he, really it. He has to now because we changed the rules, but uh, yeah. But, 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 he but if, if he lost, if, if he lost, really the only thing up for grabs in that Colin-Zach matchup or any, in both their matchups, because well, Alex plays Ben, and it's Alex, just, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just, do we eliminate Zach from the playoffs? That's the only thing really to be decided by this matchup that really matters. Exactly. Um, and then, and then while we're talking about it, Ben is also a lock. Ben is out of the playoffs mathematically. Uh, he could technically get himself out of the 10 seed. Uh, if he scores like a lot of points and beats Alex this week, but, um, you know, I, I don't even remember the number, but, uh, ben, so Ben's at four wins. Yeah. He would if, be able to play if, himself up to five. If, if Brian Garrison, Zach, well, be. Paul, Paul, if Brian Garrison, if Brian, sorry, if Garrison wins and Brian, Mike, Zach, and Paul all lose and Ben scores 300 points, <laughs> maybe 375, he could, in theory, get the, get the sixth seed. So I'm not necessarily talking about not getting the six seed or getting the six seed. I'm more saying that Ben could play uh, just up to the ninth seed if he just scores. Because here, let, let me pull up the standings. So I think so Ben needs to score. Where's Ben at? So Ben has 1285. The next team up is Mike at 1334. So that's about 50 points. So if Ben can win and outscore Mike by 51, I guess, he would then jump up into the ninth seed, and Mike would, uh, if he lost, fall down into 10. But I'm not wrong, right? If Ben, if all those teams, the teams that lose, that have to lose, lose, if Ben scores 400 points and wins, yeah, you're he right. would get the sixth seed. Okay, I want to just put that out there for Mr. Ben Hood to uh, tell him that there's still hope. To not give up because we're all still – you're not out of it yet, Ben. <laughs> Mathematically, you have the Cleveland Browns at 0-10 still somehow being mathematically alive for the for the playoffs scenario at your, at your doorstep. So Ben would need to outscore Paul by what looks like 230 points. Yes. <laughs> Okay, which which means which means Ben probably gets to drop like three seventy five. Like that's yeah. about probably what that means. That's and Paul could lose also. So Paul could throw up sixty, and that number becomes like three ten at that point. Yeah, there you go. Or no three. Oh yeah, look, that'd be like three ninety or two ninety. That's that's easy, Ben. You could do that in, a, in your sleep. Yeah, this is this is the this is the Cleveland Browns zero ten <laughs> scenario right here. We're good. It is. Um. Okay. Uh. So those are our locks. Uh, next, um, we're going to talk about, uh, the teams that are in, but their seed is very, uh, volatile. Uh, so that would just be me. I'm calling this category just need a seed. Uh, so that's pretty much just me. Uh, I am in just due to how many points I've scored relative to all the other, uh, six and six teams. And Uh, and I guess technically this, this is even less likely than Ben, but mm -hmm. if you lost and Brian, one and Garrison won and Zach won and scored like 
400 points in the process. You could technically, if they all scored like 400 points in the process, you could also be eliminated from the playoffs. So well, I'll just throw that to, out there. Zach would have to score 230 points again uh, to, to catch me. It's possible. Um, the the more likely situations, I would argue. Yes. Is that, is that you're, you're probably it. You're probably guaranteed then. Well, and then just so our scenarios are, for me, it looks like it's if I win, I have the third seed pretty much locked up, barring some just bullshit by Charlie in terms of how much he scores. Uh, if I lose and you lose, Charlie, uh, I would fall to the fourth seed. And if I lose and you win, I would fall to the fifth seed. And yeah, if uh, some something really crazy happens and I lose and you win and Gary wins and somebody else scores like a million points, then yeah, there's a chance I fall to six or seven. But those are my three more likely scenarios, I guess. Well, no, if if I lose and you lose, then I have the fourth Ga- seed. You have the fifth. And, no, and Garrison loses though. Right, then you're still at the three seed. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about if Gary loses too. Again, I. Some of this I wrote when Garrison See, and Mike were still I'm, playing. I'm, I'm, str- I'm stretching this to just the the nth degree. To, well, to it's throw. Not that. That's my favorite part. Is this, this is my playoff machine right here. I'm just going to the nth degree to make sure we're not exhausting all possible scenarios here. Well, so I, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, so I did a lot of this when uh, Mike and Gary were still playing a play-in game, essentially. Now that Garrison has the extra win, I was just essentially counting if Mike or Garrison – wins they would just automatically one of them seven and six that is no longer the case there's no longer anything saying that one team will be seven and six any longer this is true this is true um okay so that's me uh so now we are on to probably our well actually no we'll call this the second most interesting group of teams so this is your winning in teams uh number one among those is you chuck uh so if you, uh, as we said, uh, a lot of, if this is all dependent on if Garrison wins. So if Garrison wins, you win, I lose, you are in as the third seed. Uh, yes. And realistically, I think if you win and I lose and even Garrison, lo- yeah, if you win, you're, you got the third seed if I lose. Yes, correct. Yeah, regardless. Uh, if you win and I win, uh, regardless of the Gary-Mike matchup, you have the fourth seed. And, then, and again, these, these these could all change if Garrison throws up three hundred some odd points. Yeah, I'm working. Yeah, I'm working within a set of. Uh, oh, I'm oh, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna keep bringing I'm gonna keep bringing this I'm up. Sure if Garrison drops three three seventeen, watch out because he, he's gonna come surging into that into that three seat all of a sudden. And and honestly, I'd be happy for him. I would. Uh, he deserve it at that point. He would. He he probably deserves the one seat at that point, but we couldn't do that. Um, and then, so if you lose this week, you will enter into a tie with at a bare minimum, Brian, uh, you have quite a few points on Brian, so you would beat him. Uh, but it would just really, well, not actually necessarily, you don't have that many points on Brian. I was looking at it today. By my calculations, I have 36.8 points on Brian. Yeah. So you have enough points on Brian that you could withstand a loss, uh, of a relatively like average margin. But, yeah, if you lose by 50, you're out. Yeah, I, I, the ideal scenario here is uh, – well, not necessarily. The ideal scenario here is if both you and Colin win. Yeah. 
Because if that happens, nothing else will matter. You're in either way. Unless Mike and Garrison, like I said, throw up a million and a half points where Mike beats Garrison and somehow can pass me in in points. Because then it won't matter. Because regardless as to whether or not Brian beats me by more than 36.8, I would still have the points on the loser of Garrison and Mike. Yeah. And I should point out, because this is my favorite scenario, I think, because it's the one that introduces just a ridiculous amount of uh, anarchy, I guess. Uh, entropy, maybe, is the better word. So, your pathway out, Charlie. If Brian and Paul win, so Brian beats you, Paul beats me, uh, and they outscore you by 37 and 32 points, respectively. So it's 37 for Brian, 32 for Paul, and then Garrison wins. Yeah. You are outside the playoffs. You are the seventh seed. Yes, that is correct. I have that same that same thing. Now, like I said, there's a there's a there's a, a not unlikely scenario out there for me to be out of the playoffs. Like I said, my ideal scenario is to just have you and Colin win. Really, just you win and everything else takes care. Like, like the title. Well, that's what said. We said, let's said, but like, but like, uh, if. But if I were to lose, like the ideal scenario for me is to us both for you guys to both win, and then my game doesn't even matter. Like I'm just in automatically, just because you know, for the sake of you never know what could happen in the midst of a garbage time game when the Rams are down uh, forty five to six. You never know. Really, you cannot track it. Um. Okay. Uh, and then our our second winning in team is Gary. Uh. So. Gary is in a position where he is the most winning in team because a loss and there's a pretty good chance he's out because essentially he needs a loss and then for Brian, Paul, and Zach all to lose. If all of that happens, then he can lose and still be in. Uh, sort of. De- again, we're assuming that Mike doesn't beat him by like 200, uh, but he's just kind of fucked on points. So he is 100 points behind Paul and Brian, but he's up 80 on Mike. So if Mike beats him and Mike moves into a tie, then Garrison should probably still have it. But uh, yeah, he's just so far behind Paul and Brian. He really needs them to lose. Yeah, it's really. And the person that really gets caught in the crossfire here is Zach, who's taking only five wins. Like, he's going to really need some points to go his way. He basically needs everybody to have a week like he had and for him to have, like, a really good week. And then he kind of enters back into the conversation. And that's the interesting thing is that even if – so, like, Zach, it, let's say, like, Zach wins and it's just a weird – but, like, Zach is only up 30 points on Garrison right now. Like, that's almost nothing. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that Zach could win and Garrison could lose. And just by the way that the two games shake out, Garrison still makes it. Yeah. Over Zach on points. Or at least is high, higher seeded than Zach would be. Um, But yeah, so that's Garrison's pretty straightforward. Win and he's in, loss, and it's just going to be really hard for him to be in. Yeah. Um, All right. Moving on. Our, our last and... Certainly most interesting group. Uh, I call this one Thai Chemical Romance. It's not my best work. It's also probably not my worst. Uh, so this is your group of people who are praying and hoping that they're going to be in a tie at the end of this thing and that they have scored enough points throughout the course of the season. 
to sneak in here. They're praying for just everything to go wrong. Literal upsets across the board. Uh, so that's your group of Brian, Paul, Mike, and in a much smaller way, Zach. Yeah. So, 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 so first we should, I think, just clarify. If any one of these teams wins and the other three lose, so, like, let's say... Honestly, yeah. To throw out the most interesting situation, let's say Zach wins, uh, and then Brian, Paul, and Mike all lose. Uh, then Zach's in. Yes. And that is true for all these teams. If Mike wins, and yeah, because he would get to yeah, because they all have the they're they're all at the five win mark. Yep, yep, that that checks out. They are all at the five win mark. Um. So, and then, you know, you can take that to the other side. So that's the simplest answer is that one of them wins, the other three lose. Very straightforward. The most, the nightmare scenario, to call it what it is for everyone, and probably the most interesting scenario, if if we as podcasters look at it objectively, is that all four of these teams win. So So Brian Brian beats you, Chuck. Paul beats you, John. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike beats. Scary and Zach beats Kyle. Scary. Exactly. Uh, then that leads us into what I have to say is the most interesting thing that I can think of. And that is that we have seven teams, all at six and seven, that could all factor into four spots. Yep. So that's you're talking about four playoff teams are six and seven, and then three uh, consolation bracket teams are six and seven. Yes. And it's all just based on points. Yeah. Which... I mean, at that point, we might as well have just broken it down and just thrown away records and then just played the week out without playing anyone. And then everything is just like, it's just however many points to score, that's your seed. That's it. Yep. That's the that's end essentially it. it. <clears throat> and I mean, it's, it's just very, it's very interesting to me that that is something that is on the table in week 13 and a huge boon to the parody in the league argument that we've been making all season. This is true. Um, the, the only other thing that I will mention is that there is a distinct situation in which all four teams in the consolation bracket could be five and eight with it being, it really wouldn't matter who it would be, but everybody could be five and eight and it would just be, Honestly, deeply interesting if it was just like that was just all even. And then the playoff bracket was the two teams that are not seven and six. And then that's pretty much all even. Yeah. too. So, yeah. so what do you think, Chuck? I just think that it's going to make for a very exciting um, week. I especially think that the fact that it's Thanksgiving week and there is three mm-hmm. and there's three games on Thursday really adds to the excitement and changes some things up. Um, but it should be exciting. I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I'm just trying to beat the hog holder hex. That's all I care about. I don't I don't even care about like trying to compete for like the championship. I just want to make the playoffs so I can put to bed that goddamn curse that we sort of realized was a fit. It, I, I'm rooting against it because it would then – if you miss it this year, it then invalidates me missing the playoffs last year. This is true. Uh, I will say, though, it is really disappointing. I sort of thought about it a hundred different ways, and I can't see a way for both you and Paul 
to miss the playoffs. And that was kind of what I was hoping for going into the season, that you were going to get victimized by the Hogholder Hex, and Paul was just going to like have not a great team, and both of you would miss the playoffs for the first time simultaneously. Because let's not forget, folks, yeah. just to get a jinx in real quick, Chuck and Paul have not missed the playoffs yet in their careers. This is true. This is true. <sighs> yeah, so I'm really sad that you guys couldn't both miss it. That's that's depressing hey. to me. Hey, it's this is just how this is just how the league goes, man. This is how fantasy rides. Yeah, it's and and also I should bring up speaking of Paul, I just saw another note that I made. So Brian and Paul are in a position of power here, definitely, just with how many points they've scored in the, this season. Mike and Zach, a lot less so, because they could take pretty much any tiebreaker. Again, we're working off the assumption that nothing drastic is going to happen score-wise this week. Uh, so they pretty much have enough of a cushion that if they wind up in a tie and nothing else crazy happens, they'd be able to sneak in at uh, yeah uh, out of whatever tiebreaker that might look like. This is true. Uh, but yeah, long, long story short, get ready. <laughs> cue verbal meme, the college football playoff commercial where all it's the bracket and they keep rotating something through the teams that are on the bracket. That's basically our league in the, in the final week. Yeah. But instead of all the different team names, it's just Brian's face going around and around and around and around and around. That's, and, it's, and then it lands on and it's Charlie's and, and everyone's happy. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but so uh, hopefully that's a comprehensive list for all you folks listening at home. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered. It, I, I think we've covered it all. Like I said, there are like disaster scenarios when you involve ties. Yeah. Um, that being said, we've been doing partial points. This is the third year of partial points. Yeah. And there's only there's only been one tie since that happened, so which is still ridiculous that we've even had one. That's true. Now, I mean, it's not impossible, but um, we've had multiple one one and a half to less than one point victories. So, I mean, it, it's it's not impossible. Like it's you know, oh no, it's, 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 it's out there. It's on the table for sure. But I mean, this is uh, you know. This is just the year where anything can happen. So I really feel and like, I, and, you know, why not, right? Yeah, And actually, I don't think tie. I think ties are a bad thing for the teams that tie now because that was only exciting if Mike and Gary were both 6-6 six and six and they tied. That's true. Um, I think ties are no longer a big fact now that I think about it. But I've not crunched the tie numbers. I will, I will acknowledge that. I've not crunched those numbers with ties. Like you said, we got caught flat-footed by the idea of a tie. Yes. I guess a tie. Which, also, Chuck, sorry to cut you off here, but just to correct me if I'm wrong, I believe in the last year of your reign as commissioner, we decided that some form of uh, physical feats of strength type of competition would decide all ties, that we would not allow a tie to stand. Uh, John, I don't know what the, what the rules say anymore. <laughs> the rules are just chaos. By my quick estimations, if Mike and Garrison tied, making Garrison six six and one, and Mike five seven and one, and Brian lost, 
Paul lost and Zach lost, then Mike and Garrison would both be in. That's true, yeah, because that would push Mike in with that half game, essentially. Yeah, but if as long, if one of those teams wins, they will be better than Mike, so it wouldn't matter. But it's it's only it's only if Mike and Garrison tie, and then those three teams lose. So I guess that still holds for Mike in that notion that I guess I guess you could change it to if if one of these teams doesn't lose and the other three teams lose, then then that team that that team is in. that's true. Yeah, a tie could really push things over the edge. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but so if anyone else remembers what I'm thinking of, because I'm pretty sure we decided that there would be some sort of like wrestling match or otherwise physical competition that would decide ties, and, and that's something that we should review now. And really something we should have reviewed today if I had thought of it, because maybe that would have saved Alex's uh, job as commissioner, but I didn't really want him to anyway, so meh. Um, all right, yeah, Chuck, you got anything I else? Rem- I, don't re- I, don't rem- eh? I, I don't remember what you're talking about, right. but, um, but... Someone no, might. Let's see. Or I'm Someone going insane. might. We'll see. we'll see. This Yeah, this league is out of control, so... Well, I was speaking for me personally, but yeah, the league's also going insane, too. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on here to our last segment and our most haphazard one, because we've already been recording for an hour, which means slightly over an hour for you guys, probably. Uh, we are going to do a quick round of the overs always alive. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm living life right now, man. And this is what I'm going to do till it's over. Till it's over. Hell yeah. So Chuck reminded me about this. <laughs> Much to his detriment. Much like me reminding everyone of the keepers accidentally, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chuck reminded me about this and reminded me that he is up $10 and we haven't done it since like week three or something like that. So yeah, not, 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 not since early in the inception of the pod. So it's not, I mean, it's not a fan favorite segment, so I've kind of tabled it, but, uh, I, I wasn't anticipating Alex getting impeached or not really not impeached, uh, ousted. I think I'm going to say from the commissionership today. So I didn't. I didn't really anticipate having that whole segment at the beginning, so I threw in something at the end. But we're still going to do it because uh, I'm a man of my word, unlike some people. <clears throat> and it really is fun to see how bad me and John can be at setting lines. That really is, is the is the question here. You know what this is, Chuck? You know how everyone, every Olympics always says, like, man, I wish during the 100-yard dash there was someone out there who was just like oh, – Yeah, the yeah. the regular guy thing. Exactly. You have a regular guy do it so that you can see how impressive the Olympians are. Exactly. Yeah, this is what we're doing. That's, That's what, what we're doing. We are the regular is, guy. That's – That's a very good analogy. We are the regular like, guy hey, to make you feel guy, good about reg- how good – Yeah. There's a regular guy doing the 400 swimming and has drowned in the pool from exhaustion halfway through. Like, all right. That's how good these swimmers are, folks. Yeah, and we're we're that guy. We're the guy drowning in debt because we we cannot set a line for our goddamn lives. Uh, and I really it made me feel like good. Remember that one guy posted like his uh he had like a spreadsheet that he like runs an algorithm through for uh he was determining the Rutgers Ohio State line and we were like plus fifty or minus fifty eight or something like that. Yeah. Um. 
I, I feel like we need that probably for the bullshit that we're doing because we're not good at it at the moment. And I think Microsoft Excel can only help. Can you imagine if we developed like a legit algorithm for like fantasy? And we're like, I have the line on on Brian and Mike. Like I have the actual line. Like get ready. To be fair, that's Colin's job. As Colin, before Alex uh, faded away into the dust, uh, Colin was appointed the uh, the bookkeeper. Good, good. Good reference there. Thank you. Uh, Colin was the bookkeeper uh, for the league. So that's something that Colin should probably look into. You know, maybe developing some sort of spreadsheet to set some more accurate lines, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, now that we've, now we've done our sideshow, praising ourselves for being shitty at this. Uh, so we're going to do the Overs Always Live uh, to remind everyone of the rules because we haven't done this in like 10 weeks. Uh, each of us is going to uh, pick a bet. We're each going to set a line, and the uh, opposing host will have to make a bet on that. Uh, $5 bets per bet. $5 per bet. That sounds better. Um, so, Chuck, would you like to lead us off? Sure. Uh, I have a pretty simple one. Um, it's one kind of near and dear to your heart, John, but it points to to my game against Brian. Okay. Um. And it's this, uh, the Saquon Barkley, currently projected for 19.8 fantasy points this week against the Green Bay Packers, score over or under 15.0 fantasy points this week. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to look at Saquon against Green Bay. So projected projected for, for 19.8 against the defense giving up the th- it ranked 30th in points allowed to running back, which is very, very good yeah. in Saquon's favor. Uh, does he get over or under 15 points? 15.0 Interesting. Points. Uh, hang on, let me look at something. So they... The fantasy app on your laptop is just really weird. Oh, boy. All right, that wasn't at all what I was looking for. Whatever. Um, I was trying to see, like, what their last, like, the team against them... Who, the team who faced them last did, you know, like, did they throw up like 200 yards rushing or not? Uh, uh, it was the it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Packers gave up uh, 111 yards and two touchdowns to running backs. Which is honestly not great considering, yeah, the Niners, if I'm being honest with myself, have a better offense than the Giants do. Uh, and you said 15 point what points? 15.0. 15 even. 15 even. I've moved the line almost to full five points. Um, it'd be like a teaser. Yeah, that's almost. yes, that is. I learned this weekend what that was. That's pretty big. So I'm going to say Saquon is definitely having a down season. Uh, he, especially recently. You know, eight points last week, but against a very tough Chicago defense. Uh, you look at his last couple. Uh, he's been playing injured. He's did eight again, 15 against Dallas. I'm going to go. I'm going to take the over on this. Okay. Uh, he keeps saying that he feels good. Uh, there's a chance that he's just lying through his fucking teeth. But, um, you know, he is hit. The weird, mm-hmm. the, the weirdest thing with Saquon is that, like, he's not sitting out, and he's not had an, isri- an injury designation 
like in these games at all. Yeah. So it should be healthy. In terms of like, in terms of the official league injury report, like he's healthy. He's get does not have an injury. So and yet they keep talking about him sitting out the rest of the season. So I, I don't know. I I couldn't call it. But uh, yeah, I think he has hit that over more times than he hasn't this season. Like you said, Green Bay lackluster run defense. Uh, realistically, I think everyone is aware that you need to feed Saquon Barkley the ball if the New York Giants are going to win games. Uh, I here's the thing though is I hope that Pat Shermer's like, hey, let's run him outside. He's really fast and dynamic. These pounding up the middle, like gee, line with up a bad lot. Yeah, do something. The guy needs the ball. I don't know. I hope. I hope. All I, I know is that all off season, out. all I heard was like, uh, Saquon Barkley's been running a lot more routes. They're going to use him out of the slot more now. They don't have any receivers this season, so they're going to need him to do that. And then they just didn't. They just didn't do that. So I don't know what the fuck's going on there, but maybe Pat Shermer figures it out. I think the over is safe, again, against the lackluster defense and with him being the focal point of a bad offense. Okay, so my turn. Uh, so, Chuck, I'm going to direct you to Ben's game this week. Uh, not necessarily to the matchup, Ooh. but just to Ben's team specifically. So Ben is playing Alex. He's already beaten Alex once. So not that defense really matters in fantasy football, but you know, he, he knows, he knows his way around these parts. Uh, he won that game 129.5 to 114.4. Ben is averaging, interestingly, 129 and a half points in wins and just 95.9 in losses. So he's it's Jesus. a tale of two teams, really. It's pretty incredible. Uh, average over his last five, he's been putting up 117.1. Uh, he is projected for 111 this week. At last I checked, which maybe it moved the point to, but still. Yes. Wow, 111 that, that, that is even, still what it which is at. kind of impressive for Ben. But so I will ask you, given all of those numbers, uh, and given Ben's matchups, is Ben over or under 120.5 points this week? I'm hammering the under on that. Hammering the under. You said 120, 120.5? 120.5. Yeah, that's that's the easiest bet I've made all day. Would you like to defend yourself or do you feel you don't need to? No. I just think Ben's team stinks. He just beat you. He I know. Literally I, just team, beat you. My, my 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 team didn't play good either. His team stinks. I don't know. Ben's put up some points recently. Uh, the game against you that he won was actually his. I think his lowest in the last five weeks. You, your game pulled down his points per game. So, good, good, good. Okay. Um, all right. Well, with that. Uh, so I have the over check as the under. We'll see what is actually alive this week. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so now we're going to move on to, I think probably our biggest predictions of the year. Uh, just because it is the last week of the regular season. Uh, and there has never been so much at stake this late in the season for the league and this much like volatility in the standings this late in the league. Uh, but before we dive down that rabbit hole, uh, we will review last week's setup. So as uh, many of you will remember, and as Chuck chose to ignore uh, because he was taking his week-long shit, 
Uh, I took the lead last week for the first time in pod history in terms of. Uh, so, what would you like to say about that, Chuck? I was kind of mad that I wanted to just say congratulations that it was been you know you have plugged along, and it's good to see you get out in front. See how you? I was I was I was anxious to see if you were able to lead from the front as opposed to the front, to you know claw your way from the back. So yeah, uh, I forgot I forgot who you picked. So I'm interested to see if you did that or not. So I did not. <laughs> However, okay. I nearly did. I nearly extended my lead, but then we switched. So you and I had different picks for the Mike Gary game, or sorry, the Mike Alex game. Yeah. Uh, and the swap actually benefited you pretty decently, and as well as I picked, uh, I, I picked Brian and you picked Paul. So that late flip also helped you. So initially it looked like Chuck was going to go like one and four and then it swapped. And now Chuck is three and two. I'm two and three, which brings us to an even tie. Uh, I am at 33 and 27. Chuck, you were at 33 and 27 as well. So much like the league, Chuck, everything wide open between the two of us. Right there for the taking. Which is honestly incredible that 13 weeks or 12, I guess, weeks in, we are dead even. This is pretty absurd. Um, I, yeah, and we're, we're, we're running out of games to, to get us there. So also, so that, that slight pause just reminded me, Chuck was talking to Gary and I this weekend and he, uh, confirmed a suspicion that I have long had that, uh, some, most of the time he's just doing other shit while we're recording this much like I am. So periodically yeah. when I'll have, there'll be like a three second pause before Chuck responds. It's cause he's like sending a text or something like that. Yeah, typically that's how that goes. To take you all behind the curtain, I guess, is uh, what I wanted to do there. Okay, so with that out of the way, I uh, set the uh, the marquee matchup this week again because Chuck forfeited it last week. Um, so I'll be walking us through each of these matchups. Uh, so first, Chuck, uh, I'll take you to a game that you were probably just looking at. Uh, Alex and, then, uh, hmm? and then side note, normal, I will sometimes do like the calling cards. Basically every game besides for Colin and Alex's games is a loser leaves town game. Like, yeah, that's true. You, you, basically, where everyone is the same. So basically, they're all loser leaves town games. It, I, and I agree completely. Especially so if this first one I think fits that profile the least. Uh, like you said, uh, Alex versus Ben. Um, so to put it simply, Ben is hot right now. I think that Ben. Uh, all of his players have been playing well. He won last week, minus the services of Stefan Diggs, who has been periodically his best player and periodically his worst player. So tough to quantify, but got to feel good, at least a little bit. Um, he has DJ Moore versus Washington. He has, if he decides to start him, Goddard Godare? Goddard? I think Dallas Goddard. Goddard versus Miami. Um so Alex just got ousted. So that's got to really sting the morale of the team. I think that that really hurts. Uh, then you have Ingram against San Francisco. You have Hooper against New Orleans. Allen Robinson is in Detroit. Uh, he'll be probably seeing a lot of Darius Slay. We'll see if that really affects him because Robinson's played. But he played really well last week. We'll see if he keeps that up. Thomas will against- also be rolling. Also be rolling with uh, Mr. Trubisky as his quarterback. That's a good point, which really hurts just in general, honestly. Uh, T.Y. Hilton against Tennessee is okay. So is Atlanta dealing with Michael Thomas is probably going to go well for Michael Thomas. But 
I think that Ben just kind of has some juice right now. I think that Diggs, Moore, Goddard, uh, you know, even I could see Joe Mixon having a good day. So I, I'm taking Ben in this. Interesting. Um, so I don't disagree. I think that you've got definitely some options here with with Diggs and Moore and Goddard to, to have big days. The thing is, Goddard is the backup tight end for the Eagles. So it's like they're not looking to him on any particular play. They're going to look for uh, the, the main man, Zach Ertz. If Your you're wondering, Goddard. Yes. My ball, Zach Ertz. If you're wondering, Goddard's high mark, high watermark this year was – 14.9 points, which he caught a touchdown. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I mentioned like that. He's going to have to catch a touchdown and really be be involved for Ben. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, say what you want. The, the Jets have just been hammering people um, as of late. Their defense is playing on fire. I think they shut Joe Mixon down. That being said, Alex doesn't have great matchups either. Like Brady versus Houston, say what you want. Um, more, that's more so how what does Brady do as opposed to how good Houston's defense. Yeah, and, you know, Todd Gurley. It's like what is where in the world is is Todd Gurley's knees? Like that's kind of the question we're asking now. Um, he's he's had sort of brief surges of like old Todd Gurley, and then he's but most of the year it's been kind of this haphazard. 10-ish points type of thing. And it's it's sort of been a very disappointing 10 points every time, too. It's not been like that, like, 10 that you get out of, like, uh, Tariq Cohen, where you're like, oh, okay, like, that went better than I expected. This is like, you know, you're expecting 20, and you're getting 10. Yeah. The interesting thing is going to be this Mark Ingram versus San Francisco's defense. This right now is an unstoppable fourth between a movable object. This Baltimore offense versus San Fran defense. I'm intrigued to see how San Francisco plays it. I've said this before. I think the way you have to play Baltimore is just to load the box and make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm. Yeah. Um, like you said, he threw, he threw five touchdowns, but he only threw 20 passes for like a yeah, like thirty, like two hundred like, yards. Yeah, yeah, like it was. It was not an, an impressive throwing day outside of the touchdowns. It was very efficient, uh, and it was because every read zone read went for like fifteen yards between between him and Ingram. Yeah, so I, I think the I think the way you beat have to try to beat Lamar Jackson is the way that you end up beating Mark Ingram, and in that you eliminate the run game and just make them throw. So I think that bodes poorly, obviously, for Ingram. What we said, Michael Thomas on it's it's on Thursday. It's a short week, but um, you know he's been by far and away the best receiver in the league. He's on pace to break like the catch record and all this stuff um, against the Atlanta defense that's played better as of late, but isn't exactly anything to write home about. So I think he's got a big day, and and Allen Robinson's biggest biggest difference is. Mitch Trubisky, which, which Mitch, which which Mitch shows up, and Ty Hilton and Hooper, I can take or leave. They're you know they're probably good for a decent game, but um, I just think that Ben's team is not good, um, despite the fact that he beat me. <laughs> I picked him to score 
less, way less than 120 points. I think Alex probably scores right around there, maybe a little bit more. So I'm going to go with A-Lock on this one. Alright. So we start the differences right off the bat, Chuck. That's that's big. That's, that's big in terms of us breaking this tie. Uh, okay. So we are going to move on now to the Colin versus Zach matchup. A matchup between Colin, please bench your guys, I think, versus Norwich Superbook. Okay, so uh, Zach has a good number of players with some pretty easy matchups. Uh, you got Le'Veon against Cincinnati, Josh Jacobs against Kansas City, uh, Alshon, if Alshon is still alive, against Miami, Travis Kelsey against Oakland, uh, Keenan Allen against Denver, it sucks, but uh, that's a lot of solid matchups. Uh, Colin, for his part, he's got Kittle versus Baltimore, which is going to be kind of tough. Uh, Hopkins against New England. Uh, similarly, I think going to be a tough matchup. Everything else is relatively easy. Lockett against Minnesota seems like he could have a ba- bounce back game there. Chubb should do well against Pittsburgh. Aaron Jones does well against New York. Patrick Mahomes going to fucking kill Oakland. So I think that uh, Zach has probably the matchup advantage slightly, but I don't think that it's enough to make up for the uh, pretty huge talent gap between his team and Colin's team. So I am going to be taking Colin on this one. Yeah, I won't spend too much time on this. Um, I agree with most of what you said. Zach's got very favorable matchups, but those certain things um, – Kittle is just is back is playing well, and then this Godwin thing it's um, ridiculous. Is it's, it's absurd. Chris, all I do is Godwin, win, win, no matter what. Uh, th- uh, he has to lead fantasy in most games, like in which he throws up forty points, right? Like you just like I haven't looked at it, but I have to assume you're right. <laughs> he's got he only got one game where he actually threw up. 41, but he's got games of 37, uh, 31, and then 25 and 26. His low watermark on the entire season was a seven-point game at the New York Giants, ironically. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think the game of, or just the matchup of the year to maybe watch is going to be DeAndre Hopkins versus Stephon Gilmore. In this yeah. uh, Patriots uh, Texans game, because I mean, similar to this, that you know, Baltimore offense for San Fran defense, this is an unstoppable force because an immovable object. DeAndre Hopkins has been, I think, overshadowed by the year Michael Thomas is having. Back to having an incredible year with Deshaun. More or less, you know, I think Deshaun is fully back in the swing of the Texans offense. It sort of helped solve some of their O line problems that he's really. Use it to his advantage. Um, so that's just going to be a really good matchup to watch. It doesn't bode well, really, for Hopkins to have a great week. But I think, Colin, with, between Chubb, Mahomes, and Jones, we'll do it just enough there. So I'm going with okay. it as well. So that, uh, just to reiterate what we talked about before, that also eliminates Zach from playoff contention, pretty much locks up the top overall seed for Colin, as long as our uh, our comments hold. Um, okay. So next, Chuck, I'm going to take you to my game, actually. We're going to do a little me versus Paul action here. 
Uh, so this is the first of the games that, like Chuck said, uh, Loser Leaves Town. Uh, this is the first one that has a lot of playoff implications, though a little bit less because, really, regardless, I'm in. Um, yeah. This is this is the least of the Loser Leaves Town games because if you lose, uh, barring, well, quite frankly, have to be a fantasy miracle. I don't even uh, think that you, covers you, you, it. Fantasy Armageddon. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know what a stronger word than miracle. Yeah, rapture, I think Armageddon. Or, but in fantasy, yeah, a, a fa- I think a fantasy rapture is about where we where it would have to be for you to not get it at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh. So, uh, just to go through it, I don't think it's going to, uh, I don't think it's going to wind up really mattering. Uh, so I have McCaffrey versus Washington, Adams versus New York. Those are my top two picks going up against really shitty opponents. Sharks going up against Tampa Bay, which is really good for him, but Leonard Fournette is also going up against Tampa Bay, which is really bad for him. So I think those two kind of even out for Paul. Uh, you got Lamar Jackson against San Francisco, like you were alluding to before, uh, that's just going to be the most interesting matchup, and Paul really needs for Lamar Jackson to win that one if uh, he wants to be alive at all in this one. Um, you know, I think Eckler and Freeman are both going to struggle. Uh, Denver's pass defense isn't it is good. Their run defense is, isn't that great, but I think that they're going to be able to do enough to sort of slow down Austin Eckler in the passing game to make it so that that pretty bad Chargers defense is going to be able to do a lot. Uh, and Devontae Freeman just going up against the Saints is just a bad matchup. Um, so I think really I have just way too many easy matchups for Paul to be able to overcome. So I'm taking me. Um, yeah, I'm taking you too. I really have nothing to say to break it down. I, I want Paul to lose to help me. So I'm going to pick you and say you're going to win. Okay. There we go. Classic Chuck using the podcast to his advantage. Okay. Um, well, now we're going to move on to the next up, in my opinion, in terms of uh, loser leaves town games, in you versus Brian. So uh, this is, I think, not the most loser leaves town game. This doesn't have the most at stake because you could pretty simply, feasibly lose and still get in. You've scored enough points. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's an avenue where yeah there's an avenue where we, we both get into the playoffs here regardless depending on what happens in, in your and Paul's game yeah. exactly and and in Gary and Mike I guess technically too yeah um so to run through it for you Matt Ryan and Julio Jones versus New Orleans uh tough that's just that's gonna be kind of difficult for them to get through uh Barkley versus Green Bay is uh, decent but again he's been struggling a lot I, I'm taking him to pick 50 to, I'm taking him to score 15 points but I'm hedging here and saying that I'm not confident that that's gonna happen uh Waller versus Kansas City is really good uh, I think you're gonna need some really big days from Amari Cooper against the Bills Jarvis Landry I think will have a good day against Pittsburgh but still it uh it hasn't happened yet and he's been up and down. Um, so for Brian, I think if Thielen plays, if he's healthy, uh, he's going to have a really big day going up against Seattle, uh, that pretty mediocre pass defense. Uh, Brian currently has Calvin Ridley in, uh, in his second spot going up against the Saints pass defense, which seems like a absolutely terrible matchup. Uh, especially Sutton is hurt. Maybe 
Galladay's against Chicago, so maybe it's his best one, but I still don't like it. I still think it's, like, really bad. Um, and Cook is going up against Seattle, which is pretty big. Um, so all in all, I mean, I don't think either of you scoring a lot of points here, but, uh, I gotta take, I gotta take you here, Chuck. So probably not a shocker. I think I'm picking myself as well. Um, you know, the Saints have very quietly, their defense has lapsed as of the last few weeks, the last really four or five in general. Um, they've slowly climbed to being the 21st ranked defense in terms of passing yards allowed to both quarterbacks and receivers. The The real kicker of my lineup is going to be Julio Jones has not practiced as of this podcast. He's, he was held out both Monday and Tuesday. If he's held out Wednesday, there's a good chance that he will not play, meaning that Melvin Gordon against Denver is thrust into the lineup. Yeah. Um, which, which doesn't bode well, bode great for me, but I'm confident in the rest of the squad here to sort of pick up the slack. In terms of Bryant, the kicker is going to be, um, or sorry, for me as well, Mario Cooper um, had a really awful game last week, but they're playing the Bills Thursday at home. And we know how you his feel about home the Bills. His home, not only that, his home versus road splits, basically all of his yards and touchdowns are on home. He's got like 13 touchdowns at home, two on the road. Like 80% of his passing yards, of his receiving yards have been at home. So he's just a different player in that dome uh, in Jerry World in Dallas. They are at home. So that favors him. I think he'll have a decent game. Um, and the interesting thing is going to be here with Brian. So if, if Julio's out, that obviously bumps up Calvin Ridley into, into wide receiver one, or at least more He's getting more targets. targets. Yeah. But uh, that opened the door for Marshawn Lattimore to now be shadowing and or, you know, getting more coverages on Calvin Ridley, which take it or leave it, see how it goes. Uh, I'm interested to see how Thielen and Cook hold up against Seattle's defense. Seattle's been winning in a lot of shootouts. And people were more or less waiting for Kirk Cousins to for the shootout, for the shooter drop on Kirk Cousins. See if he's really legit or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like my matchups enough, and I think that my team will do just enough to not lose to to beat Brian, but also to hopefully not lose by thirty seven points. So I'm thinking <laughs> myself. That's that's a fair point. Um, yeah, and really, it's nice that you have that thirty seven point safety net, though. I'm sure you don't want to use it. No, I'd rather I'd rather listen, I'd rather you and Colin both win and just make it a lot simpler. Yeah, but that's a good point. Um, okay, well, last matchup, marquee matchup. It, 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 we've reached the point where if I don't make the playoffs, I did it to myself. I didn't deserve it. Chuck, that's big given how many people are threatening to quit the league at the moment uh, if they don't make the make the postseason. That's I said before. If I don't make the playoffs, it means I lost to Brian. By 37 points, and as a result, lost se- six of my last seven games down the stretch. So, I mean, I, I, I can bitch and moan all I want, but it, it was it was right there for me to lock this up four weeks ago. It was, a, it was all in the cards for you at that point that you weren't yeah. making it. Yeah, so uh, 
I've really just done it to myself. I don't make the playoffs at this point. <laughs> well, that's big of you. Again, I, I'd just like to say, for those of you threatening to quit if you miss the league or lose it, whatever. Um, okay. Finally, our marquee matchup and the true loser leaves town game. Gary versus Mike. Yes. This is this is the one that, I mean, it has lost a little bit of zest with Mike now gaining a loss uh, after the events of today. Uh, however, still huge, still winners in. Loser is going to have a really tough time. Um, so... I think so. This is it's an interesting one. If for no other reason than because Garrison still does not have all of his players in his lineup, so it just makes it yeah. a little tougher to follow. But whatever. Um, so for that will that will that will change Thursday morning if it's still that true. Case. Charlie officially back in control. We can guarantee it now. For four weeks we couldn't. Uh, when the commissioner position also really big thing, Chuck. We no longer need to like. But get Alex on here at any point. Not that we really considered it any more than once, but you know, there's no longer the threat of that. Just as a sidebar. Yeah, this is this is, this is true. We don't really care about Alex. The anymore. power in the league now resides in the pod once more, and the pod within the league. So, uh, Tyree kill for Mike to get back to the actual matchup. Big day against Oakland. That's just that's what's going to happen. Uh, uh, Kenyon Drake versus the Rams. I don't know how to feel about. I'm not 100% a believer that Kenyon Drake is just going to be good. The Rams, while they have looked really shitty recently and just got bowled over by the Ravens, uh, do still have a very capable defensive line uh, that I think could potentially uh, give Kenyon Drake some problems. Um, so I, as much as I like Hill, Gallup, is just a clear number two receiver. He could potentially be the number three receiver just with how good Randall Cobb is playing periodically this season. Yeah, that's 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 true. The the, the Randall Cobb surges have been brutal for Gallup. Honestly, very exciting. It's great for like football. It's brutal for Gallup <laughs> and for Mike, I guess, in this situation. Um, Greg Olson against Washington seems like it'll be big though. Uh, you know, you never love to hinge your hopes on Kyle Allen's ability to throw the ball. Uh, no, no dangerous game to be playing, especially after how they ended that game last week with him throwing two incompletions on the goal line. Uh, for Gary Juju, I think is going to struggle even if he plays James Conner probably won't play. Um, yeah, it's looking more and more like he's probably out. He could be out for the rest of the season. Honestly, that just, it, you know, who knows at this point, he's already projected for zero as of today, which is just a bad sign. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. for Chicago. I think I don't think it's necessarily a like a guaranteed loss. I don't think that it's going to be a guaranteed like he doesn't score a point. However, on a short week, that's just asking a lot against a, again a pretty good defense here in Chicago. Uh, defense a lot of people thought would be the best in the league. I think James White is going to bounce back for his Houston. I think you have a lot of checkdowns there from Tom Brady. Uh, and then you have Derrick Henry, uh, and, uh, Terry McLaurin, scary Terry. I think they both thrive in their matchups. So I think Garrison is going to take this one, but it's going to be mostly on the back of his running backs. And the fact that Mike doesn't really have anyone with a great matchup. Um, yeah, for Mike, 
the question really is where in the world is David Johnson? Like, is he, is he dead? Is he like at this point, he can only serve to fuck up the running back spot for Mike with the Kenyon Drake. Mike's running backs are Kenyon Drake and Ronald, uh, Ronald Jones. The, the second term. With, some- with, hear me out, <laughs> with uh, Latavius Murray. I'd start Bo Scarborough, actually, at this point, because he's had a couple of really I'd start good Latavius games. Murray. Latavius Murray nearly out-touched Kamara last week. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I'd start I'd start both Watkins and Hill, too. I just say, let's hope it's a one of those weeks where Pat Mahomes slings and everyone gets involved and it doesn't matter. More so than... Sterling Shepard. Um, I'd also throw Brandon Cooks in there against Arizona. Like, why not? Like, he only had uh, one one reception or whatever uh, last night, but uh, I think he's better than that. Um, for Gary, like we said, James Conner probably out. But we are in Derrick Henry yeah. season. Uh, John, it's, we've, we've, we've eclipsed the latter half of November. This is where Derrick Henry shows up all of a sudden. Uh, people forget Derrick Henry probably won a lot of people their fantasy leagues last year with his multiple thirty plus point weeks in playoff season. So uh, I think he's due for a big one. I love Zach Ertz against Miami. Uh, with Marvin Jones, yeah, Chicago's defense is tough, but you get the kicker there being that Trubisky could probably throw a pick at any time. So don't you know? Short fields and things could come into play, which really advantage a guy like Jones, who, as you said, seems to have a good rapport with Jeff Driscoll. It seems to be, you know, since Driscoll's taken over, he's really sort of come alive um, here. Uh, About James White, I could take it or leave it against Houston. Um, The thing with the Patriots is that you just never know what offense they're going to decide to run any given week. Uh, I love Jameis. Jameis uh, very quietly might lead might lead the NFL in passing this year. Just just throwing passing it out there. He leads the league right now. Yes, he so he so it's funny that he leads the league right now in yards or is up there yards, but leads the league in three hundred okay. yard games. He's got eight. He's on pace to be the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to average three hundred yards and two interceptions for sixteen games. That sounds exactly which right. Which is just a, which is just electric, like. So get ready for that. Um, That's perfect. But I don't, yeah, like I said, you know, yeah, I mean it is. But the rest of the way, scare Terry the Niners D. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, kind of how where he to go running back, but I think that I just don't like any of Mike's players. I don't think any of them are very good besides Tyree Kill. Uh, Dak Prescott will have should have a good game. I'll take that back. Dak Prescott could have a very very good game. Um, but yeah, I'm going with okay. Gary as well. So we only differed on the Alex Ben pick, which makes me a little nervous because I picked a, I picked probably the biggest dog this week. Yeah, I think you. Did. Well, I guess we can't. I think, I think the I think the biggest dog Mike. is actually. Paul against you or oh, well, I can't Mike? tell because Gary hasn't filled out his lineup. I think it's gonna be Mike. That's true. Paul, yeah, it probably will be Mike because Mike's team stinks. What's what's Paul and me? I didn't even look. It's like thirty. Oh, it's 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 over 20. twenty-one. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I've blown worse leads. <laughs> I, I won't deny that. Um, okay, well, Chuck, I didn't tell you that I was doing this, but so if you want to put this together quick while I'm reading it off, I'm just going to go through, based on my projections here, who I said was going to win, who is who I think is going to make the playoffs then. Uh, so I have at one here, Colin 10 and three, cause he wins Alex at nine and four. Cause I have him blowing this game to Ben. Uh, then me at three, because I win, uh, take it on points four. Then I have myself getting in right over you at four, also at seven and six. And then Gary also at seven and six to run out the top five. And then in the sixth seed, now I'm just going to have to try to predict points for due to some ties. Leading a pack of five, five, and eight teams, I have Paul sneaking in. Uh, though I would be very unhappy if this was actually the result because then both of you would have made it and your stupid streak of making the playoffs would have survived. Uh, and then I have Brian at seven, just on the outside looking in, just losing out on points four. And then Zach and Mike and Ben rounding out my 10. Uh, so, yeah, be Brian versus Ben, Zach versus Mike in the loser's bracket. Yeah, I'm going to go very similar. I'll go uh, Colin, Alex, you, myself. Um, I'll go Scary Gary, and I'll slide Brian okay. in there as the sixth seed. That's big. Uh, I, I don't care about the 7 through 10. They're, they're losers. It, it, it really doesn't matter. I just like numbering them. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we are at, let's see here. Yeah, 140. That sounds exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think that's about going to do it for us here at the pod. Chuck, do you have anything else to add? Um, I've had to poop for the last 45 <laughs> minutes, so so feel free to thank me for my service tomorrow. Uh, no one do that. J- J- John, please please acknowledge I did. we did not have to stop. That's to true. Poop. I should acknowledge that. We have not cut. This has all been done in one take, so I, I have to tip my cap to you for that. However, I think it's ridiculous that you just took a full week-long poop, Charlie. Week-long and now you're all of a sudden turning around and saying you have to do it again. I think that it didn't take. That's that's my concern. I I, I, I will not lie. It got real dicey there for a hot second. At the end of the Chuck versus Brian game, right when you started going through your Garrison versus Mike breakdown, it got real dicey really there for a, run a second. For it? All right. Well, all right. We, we merely had a meltdown. All right, well, then I'm going to take it easy on Chuck here then, folks, because he is our commissioner now. I guess he can punish me. Um, I guess I'll just remind everyone, though, I guess now it's Charlie's job to please set your lineups or don't. It doesn't matter because we got rid of the Zettler rule exception, uh, but you should do it anyway. Uh, we will see you guys all back here next week to review what happened and to preview the first round of the playoffs. But until then, peace. Scott!